0: Welcome to Shipwreck Sunday, where we investigate disasters at sea and the impact that they have on the world today. My name is Eleanor. Today, we will be discussing the sinking of SS Justicia, a sisterless White Star Line ship that sank in World War I. Before we dive in, I must inform you, this story does include details of a maritime disaster resulting in the loss of a vessel, wartime violence, and death that may be disturbing to some audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. Please note before I begin that I am not a mariner or expert in the field of maritime history, but I have done my research and will present the information as I understand it and with accurate nautical terminology. In today's episode, I will be including the basics of nautical terminology in the description for anyone who needs it. Today, there will be some terms in the German language, in which I am not fluent, but I will do my best to give accurate pronunciations. Once again, shout out to Brian Cronin on YouTube for commenting and leaving us a suggestion of covering SS Justicia. We again hope to do this ship's story justice and to cover your favorite ships to the best of our abilities. If you have a ship you'd like us to cover, leave us a comment on YouTube and we will put it on our schedule. Thank you all so much for your continued support. Now, let's meet today's ship. Although SS Justicia, first called SS Stottendam, was built by Harlan and Wolfe, the shipbuilders for the White Star Line. The ship was built first for the Holland America Line. She was first laid down in Harlan and Wolf's yard number 436 in 1912, but due to the onset of World War I, her completion would be repeatedly delayed. Originally, she was planned to be a modern ship with suites for 800 first-class, 600 second-class, and 2,030 third-class passengers, with a crew of 600. They even planned her first-class saloon to be 20 feet high, and this would make it the largest of its type on an ocean liner in its day. The decor was going to be more modern and art deco, moving away from the historic rich architecture that was more common and popular with German and British shipping lines in the Edwardian area. Staten Dam was launched on July 9, 1914, but due to the First World War breaking out on July 28, 1914, she was not completed. The United Kingdom entered the war on August 4th, and the work on the ship was slowed down greatly to allow Harland and Wolf to concentrate on their war-related work, which was more important for the time being. Since she was almost completed, this offered Staten Dam the ability to be completed for wartime service, just like another ship at the Harland and Wolf shipyard, Olympic and Titanic sister ship RMS Britannic, which would be completed as a hospital ship and never saw passenger service. And just like HMHS Britannic, SS Statendam would be completed for wartime service, only she would be completed as a troop ship. SS Stattendam displaced 32,120 gross registered tons, being 740 and a half feet in length, had a beam of 86.4 feet across, and a depth of 43.1 feet tall. As a troop ship, she could carry 4,000 to 5,000 troops with her crew of 600, and a capacity for 15,000 tons of cargo. We talked about SS Laurentic a couple weeks ago, and how her engine design revolutionized the way Harland and Wolfe built their ships, and SS Staten Dam would be no different. She was built with a combination of two four-cylinder triple-expansion reciprocating steam engines and one low-pressure steam turbine powering three screws. She had three smokestacks, with only two of them being flues for the boilers. The third was purely aesthetically pleasing, just like the fourth funnels on the Olympic class liners. With the exception of the three Olympic-class liners, SS Staten Dam would be one of the largest, most powerful ships built with this engine setup. With this engine setup, she averaged a speed of 17 knots, which was economical during peacetime service, but for wartime service, she was not fast enough to go without an escort. In October of 1914, the United Kingdom Admiralty offered the Holland America Line one million pounds for use of the ship, promising to give it back to them after World War I. Today that lump sum would be worth around 136.4 million pounds, so it was a lot of money for one ocean liner. Of course, Holland America obliged and took the money, and Staten Dam would have all of her decorative installments removed, which was customary for requisitioned warships. She was also painted navy gray, and Harland and Wolfe completed her slowly, taking their time to adapt her for life as a soldier on the seas. As we know from a previous episode, in 1915, Cunard Line's RMS Lusitania was sunk by a U-boat, and so the UK government offered Cunard the ship to replace Lucy. They changed the name to Justicia to match Cunard's suffix of I-A, however Cunard Lines did not have a crew for her. In November of 1916, HMHS Britannic struck a mine and sank, leaving White Star Line with a crew for SS Justicia. And that is how SS Stuttendam became a White Star Line ship. The bonus of this was that the engineering crew that worked for White Star Line were already familiar with her combination machinery from working with SS Laurentic and the Olympic class, so they were already better equipped to run Justicia. The shipping controller transferred ownership of Justicia to Oceanic Steam Navigation Company, the company that owned White Star Line, and she was delivered to them on April 7, 1917. She was registered in Liverpool that year, with her code letters being JPFL and her UK official number 137544. If you were wondering, the shipping controller was a post created by Lloyd George Coalition Government in 1916 under the New Ministries and Secretaries Act to regulate and organize merchant shipping in order to supply the UK with the materials necessary to continue fighting World War I following some pretty devastating losses. Essentially, they were the manager, and all the shipping lines became their employees, taking directives and allowing ships to be moved freely between their companies for the good of Great Britain. Unlike most of the other wartime vessels we cover, SS Justicia did not have a peacetime service record since she was completed as a troop ship, and unfortunately for her, she would never see passenger service. She would live and die a soldier's life, starting by running across the North Atlantic, carrying troops to Liverpool from Halifax, Nova Scotia, and then from New York City, New York, in the United States. At the beginning of 1918, she received one of my personal favorite types of paint schemes, dazzle camouflage, developed by Norman Wilkinson. I absolutely love dazzle paint, and if you guys would like a bonus episode done on it, just let me know in the comments section, and I'd gladly make that episode. Here's a picture of SS Justicia in her dazzle paint, as well as a couple other ships so you can really see how cool it is. She would be attacked by a German submarine on January 23, 1918 in the North Channel, but no torpedo hit her and she survived unscathed. However, when it came to July of 1918, SS Justicia would not be so lucky as she had been in January, becoming the second largest ship sunk in action in the First World War. The first largest ship was HMHS Britannic. On July 19, 1918, Estes Justicia left Belfast, Ireland for New York City, escorted by destroyers. Captain John David mastered the unladen vessel when 20 miles off Scary War, Scotland, UB-64 hit her with one torpedo. Though she did begin listing, her crew acted fast, and her watertight doors in her bulkheads were closed in time to keep her from sinking. UB-64 then fired two torpedoes, with SS Justicia's naval guns on the poop deck taking one of the torpedoes out and the other missing entirely. The tugboat Sonia took Justicia in tow, heading for the safety of Loft Swilly. UB-64 again fired a fourth torpedo, and again SS Justicia's gunners took it out. However, UB-64 was relentless and shot a fifth torpedo that did hit SS Justicia. But she was still afloat for now. Part of SS Justicia's crew evacuated with Sonia still towing her along. In retaliation, the escort ships damaged UB-64 and the submarine fled, reporting SS Justicia's position with her wireless telegraph. The following morning, July 20th, 1918, a different U-boat, U-124, found Justicia and launched two torpedoes, both hitting her amidships. With this blow, between 10 and 16 engine room crew were killed. Sources differ on the exact number, but it is somewhere in between 10 and 16. The surviving crew members rushed to evacuate, and successfully they did so, boarding her lifeboats and lowering away. By noon, SS Justicia listed so heavily that she rolled over onto her starboard side and sank, disappearing beneath the waves and leaving behind a flurry of bubbles. In response to the sinking of Justicia, the destroyers Pigeon, HMS Marne, and Millbrook laid depth charges around UB 124, which forced the endangered submarine to surface. Upon surfacing, UB 124 felt the full wrath of these destroyers as they rained down gunfire upon the sub until it sank beneath the waves. The German press, of course, celebrated the sinking of Justicia, overinflating it in their propaganda fueled articles. The Royal Navy held an inquiry, astonished that U-boats could have sunk a ship that was surrounded by three destroyers protecting her. By the end of the inquiry, they found the German submariner's determination and bravery to be, quote, beyond belief. You might remember from earlier that the Holland America Line was promised to have Justicia back after the war. Well, she sank, so now what were they to do? The UK government compensated them for the loss of the ship with 60,000 tons of steel in order to build a fleet of cargo ships. In 1921, using this steel, they ordered a new SS Island from Harland and Wolff, being launched in 1924, but her completion was delayed until 1929. As for SS Justicia, Her wreck still lies at the bottom of the sea, 21 nautical miles northwest of Mallon Head, roughly 230 feet under the waves. The wreck is oriented from north to south, with an average height of only 10 feet. This is because the ship is very broken from the currents and the age of the wreck, but her bow is still largely intact and even the starboard anchor being visible in its haas. The bridge superstructure unfortunately collapsed to port and much of the stern is broken up. Her rudder quadrant and the gun on the poop deck still remains, as well as her 12 scotch boilers, two reciprocating engines, and single steam turbine. The ship lies in the territorial waters of the Republic of Ireland and is now over a century old, so the wreck is automatically protected by the National Monuments Act of 1987 in Section 3, Subsection 4. All divers wishing to dive this wreck have to obtain a license first from the Department of Tourism, Culture, Arts, Gaeltacht, Sport, and Media before proceeding. As well as this, it is a very dangerous dive with the heavy currents, so only very skilled dive masters with a full team should even attempt it. Don't try it, listeners. This episode hopes to commemorate the memories of those lost with SS Justicia and honor their sacrifice. We also hope to keep the story of this historic vessel alive, as her and various other White Star liners revolutionized the way engines were built, and their legacy lives on in modern shipbuilding. As for Harlan and Wolf, they are still building ships in Belfast, specializing in ship repair, conversion, and offshore construction. Thank you again to Brian Cronin. We had a blast with your two suggestions of SS Arendora Star and SS Justicia. Thank you for tuning in to Shipwreck Sunday. If you liked this episode and are listening on YouTube, please give us a like, leave us a comment, and subscribe to our channel. If you liked this episode and are listening on Spotify, Samsung Podcasts, Amazon Music, or another podcast service, please subscribe for more content and leave us a 5-star review, as it does help us reach more listeners like you. If you have any ships you'd like us to cover, please leave us a comment and we'll put it on our schedule. Check out Speed Force Media on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at Shipwreck Sunday. And check out our second channel, Speed Force Media. Tune in next Sunday for the story of SS Andrea Doria, an Italian ocean liner that sank in the 1950s and is one of the few ship sinkings to be captured on film. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.